Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to the Commentarians. Is this Prairie Home Companion? Is now a part of my permanent vocabulary. <laughs> I saw a squirrel. I am going to point out real quick, this to me is like the most disturbing scene in the entire movie. Stop listening right now and go watch Firefly. Hey, this is my podcast. I'm sorry, sorry, Joe. <laughs> We are saying that not only have we been wounded, we survived, and there's a God who heals of these wounds. Jesus isn't about the isms. Uh, he's about his kingdom. Because it is kind of like this idea that Jesus died for all of our sins, except when you had sex. And Jesus doesn't cover that. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Commentarians, a podcast in which I invite a friend over to come and watch a movie with me, and we discuss it as we watch. Uh, come on in, commies. Sit down. Make yourselves at home. Uh, you like that? You like that name? Uh, that's what I'm going to start calling you guys, commies. Uh, th- th- that shouldn't... That sounds all right, right? Right, Nathan? I mean, I, there's nothing wrong with calling Christians commies. I mean, I think that that'll be all right, right? There's no... Yeah, there's, I don't think there's any baggage associated with that. Yeah, so we'll. So how about that, guys? Yeah, you guys are commies now. <laughs> All right, so um, well, uh, we are here watching Moana uh, with Nathan Underwood. How's it going, Nathan? Going great. All right, great. so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, were you raised in the church? Did you come to the church later in life? Were you? You know, yeah, I, I was raised. I was I was actually kind of a little, little a little both actually, if you want to call it that. I actually I, I um, was raised in the church, uh, pretty much from the time I was breathing oxygen, probably before I guess. Right. Um, and then um, I was actually I I was did pretty well in like youth group and things like that. Uh, and then I guess when I was about twenty one or twenty two, I kind of got just real busy with work, retail stuff, and kind of stepped away. I never went on like a crazy, like, you know, prodigal son type escapade. I just kind of <laughs> yeah. slowed down um, my attendance and just kind of became a workaholic more than anything. Hmm. Um, and then uh, kind of found my way back later on and and have been just – because I never really – I don't know if you want to call it – I never actually like stepped away from the faith. I just kind of – wasn't as avid about it for a while. Right. I can, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Uh, so what uh, religion are you associated with? If we were good to label jars, we oh, all have to have... Label jars. Yeah. Uh, I, what would you say you know, you're... I, I, I hate to use the term non-denominational because that's, yeah. that's kind of, uh, you know, just kind of Baptist with, uh, you know, with, with a full band. Yeah. And the... Really, it, it I'm more um, just denominationally undecided. I think I, I've been in just about everything. I've been in Methodist churches. I've been in Charismatic churches, Baptist churches. Um, I've visited Mennonite Brethren churches, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, I'm not. I would say my doctrine's mostly kind of traditional, kind of yeah. somewhere in that that Baptist theology. But I don't. I don't consider myself to be Baptist anymore. Right. Some, somewhere between Baptist and Presbyterian or something like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the, I think what most people would say is, would call that is like a Bible follower or, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, like, I like Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, and uh, so let's uh, let's let, before we start the movie, let's do this a little bit differently this time. Uh, let's give us all your uh, social media information, all your uh, all your stuff right now before we uh, really get into it and get to know, because we're going to get to know you a little bit more during the movie. So uh, sure, how about shoot that out there? Uh, Twitter, Facebook, anything you want to want people I, to follow I, you on? I'm Twitter inept, um, but Facebook. I've been with that one around for a while. I'm actually just started a public page because of just mainly because my daughters. I don't want you know people on my personal page if they're strangers. Sure. Um, but I just started uh, Nathan Underwood's Miscellany, um, hmm. which is just kind of random uh, stuff that I'm going to talk about. You know, religion, music, um, philosophy, whatever you want to do. Cool. Um, but that will you can find me at N8 Misk. That's the letter N, the number eight, then misc as in miscellaneous. Yeah. Cool, so. cool. And uh, you have a book coming out? I do. You are? Um, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, I've, I, I've, I've got it almost wrapped up. I don't have a release date for it, um, but I'm on my final round of implementing the editor's notes and double-checking my footnotes and all that stuff before we get it on for a copy edit to get it formatted and, and to uh, create space for the publishing. Nice. Uh, do you want to tell us about that? What, uh, what the book's about? What, uh... Well, this, this one is, it's nonfiction. It is actually, it's a book about worship. The, the idea, um, I actually started several years ago to write a, a book about trying to, how to help, help worship leaders be more effective in my research, I already found that, that Bob Coughlin had already written that book. Oh. Um, but I had a lot of research and uh, a lot of a lot of material that I think could benefit people. So I kind of stepped back from from the worship leader aspect of things and decided to go with what is it we're doing? What, why you know start with the, more basic than that? Like right. what's the point of, of worship? As a whole, as a congregant, not just as the worship leader, and and we kind of look at um, some different areas of that. The main thrust is kind of how we how to decompartmentalize worship, where you can kind of look more at you know it's not just the singing time. You, uh, it's you know study and even even your work can be devoted to the Lord as, as worship, and so that's that's the that's the general gist of it. I don't want to. Right. Drag on too long with that. No, that's no, okay. Uh, all right, so cool. Uh, I yeah. So let us know more information about that, and I'll definitely talk about it in future episodes. Because uh, definitely, yeah. So again, when it comes out. <laughs> yeah, when it comes out. So again, we're gonna get to know you a little bit more and get to know me a little bit more as we watch the movie. Uh, this is gonna be just a discussion. It's just a, your first time listening. Um, I don't know why you went directly to the third episode when we have Passion of the Christ as the first one. Uh, but so if you don't know what this, why am I doing that? Attacking like, like j- taking jabs at the audience. That's not how a good pod- podcaster works. Uh, but welcome. If you don't know how this works, uh, we watch a movie and basically talk about it while we watch. You don't have to watch the movie with us because it'll be more of a broad conversation about what's what the topics are, what the themes are. Uh, but if you'd like to, it will totally work for you as well. So we're, we're going to give you a countdown and start the movie so you can sync up with us. So it's going to be three, two, one, and play. And then when I do that, then you guys press play. And, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't need to be perfectly synced, but uh, just doing that for you guys. And then we'll talk about, I'll give you some movie information. So right now we're paused at all zeros. 
and we're getting ready to play. So three, two, one, play. Okay. So right now we see a sky, nice little Jesus star for some reason. That's strange. The Disney movie. A train coming into port, a flag, fireworks. Oh, it's a castle. Oh, it's a nice castle. It's a very fancy <laughs> castle. And then what's this all about? Oh, a nice little, wow, a, a shooting star. Oh, it's Disney. Okay. I'm just, I don't know. I don't know why I do that. <laughs> All right. So we're watching Moana. Uh, let's get to know this movie a little bit. According to IMDb, in ancient Polynesia, when a terrible curse incurred uh, by the demigod Maui, reaches Moana's island, she answers the ocean's call to seek out the demigod to set things right. It is directed by Ron Clements and John Musker. Uh, it was written by Jared Bush along with, and Ron Clemens, along this like six credited writers to the story, and stars uh, Auli Caravalho, Dwayne Johnson, uh, Rachel House, as well as others. A lot of the music is uh, written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, along with other lesser-known musicians, who wrote, uh, you know, uh, a lot of those musicians are, are that the, the one main musician that they used uh, was used to write, like, the, uh, the, music, uh, the, the music in the language of the Polynesian people. So uh, I thought that that kind of was really impressive about this movie, that it's actually culturally sensitive. Is that the word I would use? Um, I, you know, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not the person to ask about that <laughs> particular type of thing. But I, I think musically, though, um, you know, I don't know about cultural sensitivity, but I think musically, though, the, the compositions on these are great because they do combine that more traditional style with the you know, with some a lot of very contemporary arrangements and instrumentation. Right. And so uh, we talked about this last um, last m- month when we did the movie about um, uh, about uh, the the movie Old Fashioned, where a lot of Christians get made fun of. Christian movies get made fun of for having such a uh, a, ca- a a cast of different you know ethnicities, and when Hollywood has a problem with that. Like, they kind of teased them, like, oh, geez, there's the token black guy. Oh, there's the token Hispanic person. But Hollywood has this huge problem with integration, you know? Right. And so this movie actually did a really good job of making a movie that takes place in the Pacific Islands and using actors and actresses that are from that area to tell the story of that culture. Which I think is, like, you know, I mean, Disney has an issue with that, you know, has had issues with that in the past with, you know, Aladdin and uh, right. Pocahontas. No, I, I think I think that is actually a good point there because I I actually, you, you apparently have done much more research on this because <laughs> I, I actually have just kind of gone, oh, this is a, this is a good film. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, real quick right here, if you ever have my sister watch your children, this is what's going to happen. Like, they'll get stories like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jaws of inescapable death. Um, this I, yeah. I I I'm relating to Moana right now because I love those darker, kind of scarier stories. 
I think uh, I was uh, my favorite book to read was like scary stories to tell in the dark. Mm-hmm. And when I was a kid, and uh, it's a really dark and scary book. <laughs> you know, we, we actually we didn't do a lot of like scary stuff because my 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 family was very uh, very anti spooky scary stuff. We you know our church did a fall festival instead of like Halloween celebrations. We didn't go trick or treating. No. Um, it was very. <laughs> Very much like yeah, old school. We, we we don't get into the dark stuff around our house when growing <laughs> right. up. Yeah, we were they were they were pretty old school. Yeah. So, but yeah, this is a. Uh, yeah, I wasn't trying to derail your, your conversation no, no. about the the cultural sensitivities, but no, no, I just not. I just happened Fine. to point that out because that's a. When the baby cries, that's when my one-year-old breaks down. She's like, I can see a you know lava demon and all this flying oh. hawk chopped his hand <laughs> off. But when that kid cries. Shut this thing down. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Let's cross the line. (laughs) Yeah, this is, uh, I don't know. This is like the first, because this is DreamWorks. It's not uh, Pixar. And Pixar has been hailed as being like the computer computer animated film, you know, uh, Wait, is it, is it DreamWorks? Yeah, I think it's DreamWorks, is it? It's it's Disney DreamWorks. Are, oh, is it, I didn't know it was in conjunction with DreamWorks. Yeah, that's interesting. And so I thought they were separate entities. But uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> maybe it's not. I mean, did I get it wrong? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't see actually a DreamWorks logo at the beginning. So maybe it's just Disney. I got you. Okay. So so this is this is actually kind of a cool scene here. Oh yeah. Um, with the sea turtles, um, because. Uh, this is kind of a bit of foreshadowing for those of you who haven't seen this. I'm sorry, got spoilers, <laughs> but it's a good bit of foreshadowing because uh, like sea turtles, once they hit the water, they don't ever go back on land unless they're uh, unless they're laying eggs. Right. And so that's kind of the uh, the, the foreshadowing to what's going to happen later with the the village. Huh. So see, I didn't pick up on that. See, that's uh, the, the, this is a beautiful scene. The way that this is done. Uh, Mm-hmm. Once before I saw this in uh, uh, Prince of Egypt, in that movie, when God uh, parts to see, the, yeah. the 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 Hebrews are walking through the you know in between these walls, these giant walls of water, and it's dark. And when the lightning strikes, you could see you know the whales and fish and stuff in the inside the ocean. <laughs> inside the ocean wall and it's just such a beautiful shot and they they do an incredible job of that here of doing that. yeah i, like, I did actually I, yeah i remember that from from prince of egypt the thing that that kind of got me here is when the ocean like reached down and, like twists your hair up yeah. and even that you have like this you have like this anointing scene yeah um of where she's she's being called out for her 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 role her her task right and again and like, that that it does follow a lot, a lot of these tropes of uh, th- that a lot of people don't like kind of recognize if you're just wa- sitting down to watch it. But that is absolutely a baptism scene, and uh, you know uh, I think in, in other, for example, in other uh, other examples of that would be uh, God. What was the name of that? Uh, uh, there will be blood. 
There's like literally. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Oh, yeah. it's a great movie, but it's, there, it's like the, what thirteen years old. I haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great, great film. But there's a scene where like they finally strike oil, and like a dad who has his child with him actually dips his fingers in the oil and kind of taps it on the under on, on his baby's forehead. Yeah, and like just playing around, but that's obviously like this baptism scene that you're going to be, you know, a part of this world. Uh, you know, that's not what the character was doing. That's not what, but we're supposed to kind of read that, right? In into it, and so yeah, and that's the uh, yeah, the hardest part of this is going to be for me to not sing along. By the way, oh yeah, I know <laughs> the music is fantastic. Yeah, like I said, uh, Lin Manuel Miranda does a lot of it, and then the, the composer is actually a Polynesian composer, so a lot of the language is uh, you know intertwined with it. And yeah, like I mean, here we have a person who just wants to get off the island, or you know, at least go on adventures. Well, and, and see, for me, um, especially being a musician in the church and, and back in the late 90s, early 2000s in the Midwest, I'm, you know, I'm still seeing a lot of this, you know, who needs the, the line, who needs a new song? This old one's all we need. Um, there was, you know, I was in the in the, the midst of that uh, growing up. And for several years, it's kind of that hymns versus modern song mentalities kind of kind of makes kind of died down quite a bit. Um, right. You still see it in some areas. Um, but really for me, it's, and even beyond just that nowadays in my adult years, I kind of keep going with, with just studying like our, our, the biblical history and things so much more come out to it than, but there are, there are ideas that they're traditions, they're the things they do, you know, the, the way we've always done it, that's what keeps this church going is the way we've, we've always done it. And right. that's what I see a lot of in this scene is that struggle to go okay, I don't feel like that can fulfill my identity. What What is there? Yeah. And so, yeah, wanting to go beyond it to, to the truth that should support their tradition, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't. So Right. Um, so that, that brings up this idea that I've been kind of wrestling with uh, for a couple of years now, is that I've been reading, I've been trying to, because it, it's a little over my head, the Joseph Campbell uh, if you don't know Joseph Campbell, he kind of uh, came up with this theory that every single story from the beginning of time has been basically following the same story structure. So every mm-hmm. single religion, every single uh, culture, every single like you know movie and TV show or whatever follows a really similar story structure, which he kind of breaks down and like you know there's stuff like uh, you know call to action like every hero is called to action sometimes there's a refusal to the call and sometimes they're um you know sometimes they just accept it but they they have to cross a threshold sometimes there's threshold guardians there's a meeting with the goddess there's uh atonement with the father there's a a, a belly of the whale scenes and mm-hmm. you know they're not always in the same order in every story but and they're not all like every single step isn't in every story but it is incredibly similar as far as like you know how the stories are told and i think that this is a perfect example of that because she like in this one she, there's a call to action obviously you know uh, she right. needs to get off the island she has that desire but you know she right now she her dad explains to her that no this is where your home is and you have a huge responsibility here 
And why would you leave when you have everything you want here? And she kind of comes to the conclusion, well, maybe he's right. Maybe that's true. She's kind of convinced of that. But, of course, that's going to change. Which is, like, you know, uh, again, a part of this story, start part of the story structure that I'm talking about. Um, well, and, and the thing is, she's, she's good at it, too. That's the other thing. Like, she, she excels in it. Like, you know, she's yeah. fixing the roof. She's replanting uh, coconut fields. I don't know if that's happened yet. But the, um, you know, it, it kind of reminds me, like you mentioned in Prince of Egypt even earlier, mm-hmm. you know, Moses is, you know, he's training he's being trained up to mm-hmm. be the next one of the next leaders and he starts to embrace that identity and a, a lot of you know kind of what we lose in uh what's actually just written in the in the, in the bible is that you know M- moses knew um you know he would he would have been told by his mom because um you know she was the nurse maiden back in ancient egypt apparently they nursed kids till they were five so he would have known all the hebrew traditions he right. would have been told that you know all these things so and um well when he kills the guard sorry sorry about uh, but when he kills the guard no go ahead yeah sorry when he kills the guard um the other uh slaves are like what are you like they point that out i think if i recall correctly so it's almost like a rumor that's that's spread and well known that nobody Mm -hmm. really talks about so right so he has this huge struggle with identity as well yeah, and here's you know she's replanting the coconuts and all this, um, but I also want to point out that is like the longest living pig and chicken, by the way. Yeah, seriously, and like they, they don't... have not aged a day. <laughs> yeah, it's still a tiny, cute little piglet, unless there's a horrible, like you know, dark notion here that the pig now is a different pig. You know, and she just keeps uh, replacing her. She keeps killing <laughs> her old pigs for the pork and then replacing them with cute little piglets until they grow old. It's so, not dark. That's life. That, that is life, I grew yeah. up on a farm. So, you know, it's that, like... I mean, what are we supposed to do? Like, <laughs> eventually they yeah, get Yeah, where old. else are you going to get your pork? Right. Bacon, guys. That, that, I mean, don't, don't kill little piglets. Wait until they get old and ugly. <laughs> exactly. They, they get cumbersome and... Moody and all that when uh, they get old, like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, yeah, I, I'm feeling that some days. <laughs> so, but no, like well, back to what you were talking about with the these ideas of these these tropes. You know, one of the things I want to kind of point out, just for any uh, you know more conservative listeners that you may have, is that you know I, I want to make sure to make clear that you know this isn't about like using these people as our representations of God. You know, it's just these ideas that there's signposts in the world and stories all around that you can follow back. And every analogy breaks down somewhere. Um, And we, we can analogize any, any part of this, but it's, it's really just kind of going for me, like, uh, like I mentioned to you earlier was uh, that, you know, I can start with my four year old daughter looking at Moana and go, do you understand what this movie's about? And and I can and, and fortunately I can do that. I can do kind of similar things with a lot of shows, but I think this movie really has just so many different types, uh, you know, archetypal characters that you you really see driving home. Right. Uh, but yeah. The, so, uh, 
sorry, sorry, no, go ahead. No, no, sorry. Yeah. Well, because it reminds me of like Star Wars when I was a kid. I'm like, wow, the Force almost seems like God. And, you know, and Luke Skywalker's like the good guy. And Darth Vader's like he's the corrupted person who who worshipped other idols and stuff like that. And my mom's like, no, it's just a movie. Like, it's not religious. Right. It's it's only a movie. And, you know, because... And, you know, George Lucas never said that it was a Christian film, but he, he does use that story structure. He takes from different pa- stories from the past to create the whole Star Wars story. And so... Right. It- yeah, and and this is one of those areas where you can look at it and, and like I so said, you get all these types and you kind of go, if you are looking, if you're looking at the world around, you can see that everyone's trying to find where that truth is. And, and so many times you can look at it and go, you're almost there, which is really, I mean, ultimately what so much of, of you know, if you, well, I don't know what you want to call it, but just bad theology is like, you've almost got it. Right. Uh, and in so many other faiths where you're just like, You've almost got it, and kind of like Paul with the the unknown, the the monument to the unknown God in Acts, uh, where he's you know he says, "Hey, I, I can tell you're really religious." You know, he's like, "I can tell you're looking for the truth, because look at all look at all these idols you have. You 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 want the truth, so let me tell you where it is." And that's right. it's a it's that conversation starter, right? Um, and well, maybe that that can push me into this uh, broader e- ex- explanation of that story structure because it's not just that I'm I'm trying to figure out what the story structure is. It's that I find it incredibly connected to faith and Christianity. And that's not what uh, Joseph Campbell would say because Joseph Campbell thinks that God he describes God as like the uh, the uh, God I don't like an unempathetic, you know, cosmic force or something. And because sure. he doesn't, you know, again, we're not talking about a Christian writer. We're just talking about a writer who's trying to interpret every story that has been written from the beginning of time. And so, <laughs> but when I see him, it's like the, where it comes from is like, as humans, we've, we've, we've had to survive through, we, we, so just, my mind is often rolls a million miles an hour and my mouth can't catch up, but as, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, that happens. It's, so as humans, we've survived through stagnation. We, uh, we're, we we've been, we're doing the things that we did yesterday. We never change. And, uh, you know, evolving, uh, keeps us alive though. It's like, we, just like in this story, the villagers and you know his her father Moana's father says no we've always been the same there's no such thing as change we can't change right and and she wants to grow she wants to evolve and change and again uh, don't don't get caught up on these terms of like evolution and or nature <laughs> that I'm going to use later for God because you're missing the point I'm just I'm speaking sort of the way Joseph Campbell explains it but I'll bring it all back to, to Christianity. So animals, uh, they exist uh, by different sets of rules. Like a bird's beak is refined to break open a certain, you know, a certain nut or something. But sure. if that nut stops growing, or if it develops a harder shell, then that bird is going to starve. You know, that happens like in nature, where like you know, if a fish eats a like a particular kind of fish, if that fish goes extinct, then that bigger fish, you know, doesn't have anything to eat. So right. nature, or God, uh, uh, 
you know, what if the you know they said, what if we tried something different? What if we created an animal that can do anything? It can run from famine. It can't, you know, it doesn't have fur, but it can survive the winter by making fur. You know, it, it's it's it, you know, it, it's slower than a lion and weaker than a bear, but through its ingenuity and communication with others of its kind, it can dominate every animal on the planet. Let's let's right. experiment with that kind of idea. And so, I, and so. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of funny. I had, I had never, have never heard it quite put that 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 way. Right. We also smell bad. I've heard that's also like yeah. apparently predators don't like the way we smell. So oh, thank God for that. Generally, they won't eat us unless they're just desperate. So there's <laughs> that helps. I guess. Well, I appreciate that, God, but uh, so. <laughs> kind of uh, putting a strain on my dating life here, God. Come on. <laughs> and, and and we can choose not to smell bad too. We're we're yeah. that we're adaptable that way too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> no, it's, so, I, but I guess the, and I know that this is a little long-winded, but I mean, I'm, I'm so excited about this kind of idea that I keep running through my head in the middle of the night when I can't sleep. <laughs> this keeps me up. But uh, the whole idea is that in in our atoms, according to Joseph Campbell, inside our, our genes, it has the library of all these stories. That we tell each other now, you know, uh, Joseph Campbell would say that inside our DNA, you know, the reason uh, all every story, every Christian story in the Bible sounds so similar to every other story is because every human being has that story inside of them. Right. He would say that it's inside of their DNA. It's kind of a part of the being human. But if we know the Bible, the Bible says that God actually put the knowledge of himself in all of our hearts, you know, right. so they're kind of saying the same thing. Just Joseph Campbell doesn't believe in God. And so whether you're, you know, whether you're a Muslim or a Christian or an atheist or agnostic or European or African uh, from the, you know, Americans, and all of us have had the same stories within us and we've right. all told the same stories. And so a hero isn't like this great man who like, you know, in, in the story circle, the hero of a thousand faces, as Joseph Campbell calls him, he's not this great man. He's a person who has been saddled with the responsibility of subverting the expectations of his species and has to change in order to survive. So that's right. basically where I'm going is that we as human beings survive because we don't change. But if we don't change at all, then we will die, and that's essentially what Moana is about. And and that that's why every story, you know, is kind of like supposed to lead us and inspire us to make that change, to make that next step, you know. So right, no, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can definitely see that perspective of it. Um, so back to biblical themes, I, I wanted to point out real quick. There's you have the 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 grandma who's the prophet, yeah, very who who comes to visit and, and tell her about the the truth and the calling. And then now we're gonna, of course, this is kind of obvious. We're gonna have the the vision. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you don't yeah. pick up on on this the the vision here, we're we're a little yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, I don't know. I don't think we can help you. I don't know. Yeah, but. <laughs> 
but I love this. This this scene is just incredible. I know. And this this song, like seriously, I've I've probably you know I've got got two daughters, four and four year old and a one year old, and we've probably watched this about a hundred times since we discovered it last summer. Nice. And every time <laughs> this song comes on, we all turn it up. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter what's going on. Yeah. So. But I should I should point out that uh, in the. Uh, the way when Disney wanted to make a movie that's authentic to the culture that it's representing, uh, they actually had all these sailors in like this really beautiful garb of their uh, or their their uh, guy. I don't know what the culturally sensitive word for that is. Their <laughs> their the clothing the regalia the regalia of their culture, and when they showed it to the you know to the people that they were talking to. Uh, from uh, from you know the Pacific Island, they said no, that's not the right outfit. Like I know it looks cool, but that's almost like wearing a tuxedo, you know, to work. To you know, it's <laughs> yeah, it's to, to go work on cars, right? And so, <laughs> yeah, so they had to change it to this, and th- that's really kind of like this great thing that they were willing to, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. Because and there's this, uh, you know, I've got a lot of friends who are, who are major history buffs, and I don't know, I don't know if they're into the the island culture like this, but you know, anytime there's like an anachronistic weapon, like, like you know, they're doing like the, you know, Troy came out and they were talking about how they tried to make it very accurate, and one of one of the guys was like, yeah, but that's Bronze Age. He's like, are they actually going to stop the the fight to stomp <laughs> their sword back out flat every couple minutes? You know. <laughs> So that, you know, stuff like that. So that, yeah, you know, that, that's just part of it's just good storytelling. But yeah, I do, I do like the fact that they they tried to make sure it was accurate. Yeah. Uh, but I, I love the the construction of the ships, the just the fine detail on everything. And, and, and I'm I, also getting a little blown away because this is a, uh, I'm you know I'm watching this at my work. And so the TV is like way better than the one at home. So like I'm seeing all these details before that I couldn't see at home. Nice. So. <laughs> yeah. And I have to say, I know that it's, uh, and I think this, this discussion is had in Hollywood often is whether, uh, animated movies should win cinematography awards because there's no camera. So you can't point it at anything, sure. but the angles that they use, even though they're drawn are really beautiful angles. Uh, right, when, they're, when, they're very, very, very artistic. That actually, I mean, okay, I, go ahead with what you're going to say, but then I want to come no, back no, please, to something. No, no, please, please. Well, I was actually, so I was, I'm listening to, uh, um, I don't know if we want to talk about other podcasts, but uh, please, no, there was yes. uh, uh, the origin, Sci-Fi 25 origin stories with Adam Savage. He was talking to one of the guys who worked on uh, Rogue One, mm-hmm. and they were talking about the way that, that their director worked was he liked to get on scene and then like, just kind of mess around with different camera angles to try to find out what works best for the shot he wants in that scene. Sure. And so what they, what they did for him is they built, they would design these digital models and then give him a motion caption camera or a motion capture camera. And he would actually run around the green screen until his camera was showing him the angle of the, of the computer generated set that he wanted dude that's awesome so i think so i'm thinking if, if it was like that yeah i could see cinematography right. but i don't know i don't know <laughs> on just if it's all just drawn on a board right if, if that counts for i mean on some level it, it it's important to point out that like you know just the idea of 
where the audience is going to see, from what angle the audience is going to see something, it does matter. But it is much different than a cameraman trying to find the right lighting and the right angle. And you yeah, know, it's it, it, yeah, it's it, not like Citizen Kane where they had to dig out the floor, <laughs> right, to get that beautiful you know, upward to, angle. Oh yeah, yeah. Where you're like looking people looking at shots over people's shoes. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> The links some of the filmmakers go to is just incredible. Yeah. But, I mean, I can't blame them. I mean, especially for some of the works of art that are just coming out, especially in the last few years. They're, they're getting just amazing. Yeah, much better, especially since they uh, since they're using the digital camera now. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, because, and the steady cams and. Yeah, um, because before they used to film on film, they used to shoot movies on film, and they're great, but they're kind of hard to maintain they you have to you know you shoot the film and then you have to develop it and then the next day you watch you know what you shot to make sure it was right but now it's right. instant so once you shoot a, a, a scene you can literally re-watch it that second to see if it turned out right but the image is a little bit different some people don't like how it looks some people think that it's you know it's not really the same you don't have the day to think about it. Like Hollywood has been working a certain way for over a hundred years. And now all of a sudden it's totally changing. It's becoming easier, but it's, uh, right. It's different. And so our, the decisions we make kind of have to change based on, you know, on those little changes, those little differences. Well, I wonder then if, if cameramen are actually like maybe having to get more like athletic, um, <laughs> You know, because you know they're not just working on dollies and right. and stuff all day. They're actually having to. You know, there's a lot of stuff's handheld now with the the Steadicam, and then you know they're. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm um, trying to think of funny scenarios you might be in. <laughs> well, um, in the movie Twenty Eight Days Later, the horror film about you know zombies, people that are infected with the zombie virus, they actually yeah. shot a lot of those scenes illegally. Because, but they were able to do so because they just had digital cameras and put them a certain in a in a place because they're so small. They just right. propped them up, you know, at a high angle, and then they just had the actors walk through so they can get this wide angle shot without anybody's permission. And the police didn't, you know, notice because it's just people walking and sitting around because there's not this huge camera crew, you know, and this right. giant, this all this giant equipment and stuff. So. That's funny. Yeah. (laughs) So this is... Sounds like something I would do. Sorry. (laughs) If I made movies. So go ahead with the... No, uh, we just got to the scene where the grandmother dies. As you said, like the prophet. She's the one that, you know, explains to her what's really happening. And what her role really is. In spite of what, you know, Moana's father says. Mm Mm-hmm. And of course, yeah, I mean, this, go, go ahead. I say, and this, and this is also the part where I, I've got my notes here. We were talking about identity, and we're we're going with you know the mother here is is willing to give up and and just accept that Mana has to find this stuff out for her own and or on her own. Mm-hmm. And then we've got just this this surrender to I'm I'm cutting ties. We're done, and and then. Here, uh, oh my! This is one of the most beautiful things right here coming up. Yes. Um, when, right here, here it is, and it's like the the stingray, 
and it's the grandma showing her like leading the way what this is what you got to do right and showing that you have to just confront it head on just mm-hmm. to get past the waves here because you know when your outrigger goes sideways you are officially screwed <laughs> yeah um when um if if you haven't if you're not watching or if you haven't seen it the grandmother has a tattoo of a stingray on her back and she said like it's kind of like her spirit animal and that's what she's going to come back as when she dies and now she has this you know spirit animal like guiding her and leading her and on top of that the help of the ocean the ocean literally you know is like her friend and helps her along Right. So, yeah, it's a really a beautiful kind of... And, again, that you're right about how beautiful that shot was. It's... Yeah. I, yeah, again... I, the, the, first, the first time I noticed that shot, like... And what's funny is, it, again, several hundred times, I actually did not see that shot because always, we're always watching this, like, during dinner and whatnot. And so the first time I saw that shot, it was several times after watching. I was like, oh, my goodness, how did I miss that? Yeah. Um, and then... Then of course, then we cut to this amazing performance by Alan Tudyk. <laughs> um, did, did you know he voiced the rooster? Yeah, uh, he voices Hey Hey. Yeah, uh, she, again, every actor in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just, there's there's actually shots of Alan Tudyk. There's a, there's videos of Alan Tudyk in the the booth just making <laughs> chicken <laughs> noises. <laughs> He's like, and at the end, he's like, I, I did. I went to Juilliard. Um, <laughs> so for those of you who don't know who Alan Dudek is, uh, he played Wash on Firefly. And if you right. don't know what that show is, I apologize. Yeah. Um, I, I recommend stop it. Watch, stop <laughs> listening right now and go watch Firefly. Hey, this is my podcast. I'm sorry. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> uh, I, love- <laughs> no, I, actually, I actually recommended Firefly to uh, Russell Moore. <laughs> the head of the uh, Baptist convention, uh, he oh, he tweeted that he was up late, like he just got back from a from a flight, and he it was three in the morning and he couldn't sleep. And I said, "Hey, check out Firefly; it's on Netflix." And oh, got no response. So got no response. <laughs> so good, love that that show. Yeah, and, but again, that, that's what's funny is that er, almost every single actor in the film is from the Pacific Islands. Except for one, a Caucasian actor from Texas, and he plays a chicken. <laughs> and he does it and he, well. And he's got a redhead in this, too. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I have to point that out. I, I love I love Alan Tudyk. Yeah, uh, he's phenomenal. Uh, what else? Oh, he was, also, he was also in Frozen. He was the, the Duke from, oh, really? from Wesselton. Um, and then he, and then he, he played... Uh, KS two O was that the one from Star Wars from Rogue One? Did he? Oh yes, that's right. Yeah, oh. yeah, did a fantastic job. Yeah, he's like this character actor that just pops up here and there. Like he was in this show in the sitcom. I think it lasted two or three seasons called Suburgatory, where he was just like a rich dentist, and so he can play oh, yeah. this really uh, you know rich like obnoxious guy, but also like really like like in Firefly, just a funny like rebellious little like you know scamp oh, yeah and he was he was also he was also the priest he was Anne's dad in arrested development right right <laughs> so <laughs> yeah he was hilarious in that he, yeah he's so. a really really funny character character actor he, he's great Sorry. in everything he does 
<laughs> Sorry, I went on a tangent. We're totally off topic. No, it's okay. That's what we that's Fandom. what we do on the show. <laughs> uh, so uh, this is the so, island where it, uh, Maui lives. Yeah, I, I love the uh, the lately like Frozen and this. There's a couple. That's kind of funny. There's a couple uh, of little visual gags they use uh, in both movies, and one of them is the main protagonist. Uh, being all disheveled after waking up, <laughs> right? Um, and the other, the other one was, uh, and it was earlier. It was after the begin, at the end of her big number, mm-hmm. like she falls down. Yeah, that was in that was also in Frozen. <laughs> so it's I guess it's the current visual gags for kids right now. Well, if it works, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was funny both times. Yeah, it never gets you never get tired of seeing someone like have something embarrassing happen after they do something awesome. <laughs> I, I don't anyway. I'm probably a bad person. <laughs> yeah. so, it's well, by the grace of God, go I. Uh, <laughs> so again, uh, another thing. Maybe I want to point this out. Uh, Maui was uh, originally constructed as a uh, as a chubby, short guy, still strong, still basically the same, but he's just shortened like fat and bald. <laughs> Really? Yeah. I got to say, Dwayne Johnson is amazing in this. Yes. He is really he, I, funny. He actually sang his part, apparently, too. Yeah. Like it Which all, is awesome. And I, I, I... So so this song was written by, and I guess I'll point it out later, but it was written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, and it just reminds me of a, of a song from Hamilton. Like, it literally sounds like he just rewrote a song from Hamilton, so at least a so rap I, part. It's like that's a great song. The uh, okay, so something that right before I saw this movie, um, I I saw the trailer for one of the Furious movies. Ah, it's the yes. Fate of the Furious is that the most recent one? Uh, and it's like you know show number what is it forty eight of that series right. or, <laughs> and show number movie number, and I'm like, and, and I'm like, man. I, I just it's so hard for me to take Dwayne the Rock Johnson seriously when he's doing these movies and then and then he does Moana and he, and it's kind of like him going like I don't either yeah like he's like I'm just I'm just having fun and so it's yeah yeah he's pretty awesome great he, yeah he really is this great and delightful actor he's yeah I'm a huge fan of him even in the Fast and Furious movies I don't know about. Nine and ten, <laughs> but certainly four and five. <laughs> I haven't seen any of them. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not your typical action movie person. Yeah, it's, they're just bananas. They're just fun. You know, again, if you just want to turn your brain off for a while and try to figure out how a giant safe can be dragged through a city, destroying buildings, and you know, not kill anybody. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, oh my uh, goodness! So. Yeah, but okay. So, <laughs> so this, or, is the, this is the base when the base picked up there earlier. Yeah, and then it really like starts to drive the song in, and the use of the tattoos in this yes is ridiculous. It is uh, yeah, such gorgeous. beautiful storytelling. So yeah, and, and I, I, I also find it funny that he's proportioned like a like a toddler, like <laughs> yeah, a ripped toddler. <laughs> Yeah, tattoos really important to the culture. Uh, but you know, of course, we saw earlier. I think it was earlier where a guy was getting his tattoo, 
And like he, they mm-hmm. barely had two lines, two or three lines on his back, and he's screaming, asking if it's almost over. <laughs> yeah, yeah Milan is like, "You're almost done. You're doing great." <laughs> and if you've ever spent any time in tattoo parlors, then then you've seen that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people are freaking out. Is it more? Is it really pain, or is it like fear? Do you think in in a lot of people? I think most people, it's probably fear. Um, like the the hardest. The hardest part for me uh, was was just like being impatient. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you know they are doing a different style of tattooing. They don't have a gun, but you know, for me, it was just like it was just like sitting there because I, I don't sit still well. Sure, I, I I always need to do something. I'm I'm generally moving or sleeping or reading or you know, <laughs> but it's. I don't know. So for for me, like it actually, while it was being done, like I have got one on my calf. So that, that one in her, the the next day when I woke up, I stood up and forgot about it and I flexed my leg wrong and that, that really hurt. But (laughs) then, then they get itchy and that's just irritating. Right. And then they tell you don't scratch it, but that's like your instinct is you have to just, you know, just scratch the heck out of it, but you can't. Yeah, fortunately, I had I had a friend with full sleeves, and his thing was don't don't scratch it. He's like just kind of slap it. Oh, that, that that's so actually yeah, that makes sense. That that, that actually kind of helps. So I don't know if you have any, you're planning to get any, but you know that whoever's out there. Yeah, <laughs> I actually for for a blog that I used to write, I wrote about how to get a tattoo, like what what questions to ask, what how to find a, a good uh, you know parlor. And, you know, yeah, I got a, a... When did you write that? A while ago, years ago. I had like, this uh, men's blog. Uh, and, yeah, and one of them was, yeah, one of them was, like, you know, sh- it, it was, like, split into two parts. Like, the first part is, like, the discussion about whether it's okay for Christians to get a tattoo or not, whether it's a sin or not. And mm-hmm. I, I showed both sides, you know, I didn't want to be you know, impartial, but then I wrote an article on how to get a tattoo. So, you know, it kind of, <laughs> everyone understood where I came down on it. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, it's like just how w- safety concerns, health concerns, what you should ask the, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the artist, you know, the fact that, you know, you don't haggle with them. If they have a price, right. they know what their art is worth. And oh, yeah. you yeah. don't want to be cheap on your tattoo. <laughs> it's, no, it's, that's <laughs> going to be around for a while. Right. So, well, uh, actually, I, I missed one of my notes here. Um, oh. One thing I was going to say, so that song, so the, you, your welcome song. Yes. Uh, I feel like, okay, so this is kind of, I'm, I'm jumping rails on you. No, go for um, it. But the, when, when that song, one of the things I, I kind of picked up on is just this idea that she's kind of, you know, perceived Maui differently than than who Maui says he is. Yes, and and we can kind of, and I can kind of look at that and go, you know, people do that with with God all the time. They 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 blame him for things that are are yeah. not his fault. Um, but he's going, no, I gave you, <laughs> <laughs> I gave you the sun and the sky and food and uh, you know opposable thumbs and these wonderful <laughs> things that that have made your life great uh, and and you're going no you're terrible because you gave us disease and death and 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 that's kind of this this idea where she's kind of yeah having to look at this for the first time that 
oh, maybe I don't have it all quite figured out. Yeah. And then and then that th- that that theme's kind of repeated later in the movie, and you'll you'll probably be able to see what I'm talking about. Yeah, but but that's what's great about this movie is that there's a death and resurrection scene, not necessarily not real death and resurrection, but certainly, you know, uh, this this idea of failing and then being restored uh, on yes. both their parts, and he has us, you know. He has his own journey in this film where he changes his mind about what he wants to do and why he's doing it. And he gives up and then he comes like, it's just this great little like example. Yes. That he has. And and one of the, yeah. And then we even have like, uh, you kind of have where they go to the realm of the monsters. They go down to the bottom of the ocean. And there's, you got another death and resurrection scene there kind of thing. (laughs) And, so the other thing I found kind of interesting is, you know, there's the line that Maui can do anything but float. And I'm like going, what, what's the deal with Disney and, and, uh, and super powered protagonists that can't swim? Cause the, they did that with Lilo and stitch too. Really? Stitch couldn't uh, swim. No, he, he his muscle mass was so dense. He oh, couldn't float. Wow. So, so that, that, yeah, like, that's what? interesting. <laughs> What was yeah? Because now I'm thinking about like whether that happens in because there there seems to be a lot of drowning scenes now that I think about it. And yeah, uh, there's there was like he, he nearly drowned. But yeah, the, so the, yeah, sorry, I, that's that's where my world is right now as far as my cinematic world. Right. Is it's in children's movies right now because I <laughs> because that's it, if you're a dad out there, this is what you're doing. Yeah. You're watching this. We, well, we actually we were actually we've been fortunate enough to recently introduce my my daughters to Star Wars. That's so good. We're, that we're getting good. there, Joe. We're getting there. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, then a movie like this must be like a breath of fresh air, considering how much. I mean, I I hear complaints from parents about really terrible kids movies, and they're, if you if your kid wants to watch something great like this over and over again, you know, it must be like at least a breath of fresh, like you know, something you're glad about. Yeah, well, even even the the good movies, they they this is actually, I mean, this one's still fresh enough for us that we're still really enjoying it. I mean, even the good ones, you do kind of wear on you after a little while, like because Frozen, we're just like we're ready to be like, <laughs> like yeah. they're gonna make another one of those. But it, but it's a good movie. <laughs> it was fantastic. The music in it was just, I thought, I personally, the music in Frozen grabbed me faster than the music in this. It took a few listenings for me to really appreciate the the complexity and and the depth of the songs in this one right yeah and speaking of that the one the your welcome song the little rap bit in that reminded me uh-huh. of the of the rap in uh uh it must be nice to have washington on your side from hamilton that's what i'm like uh, i still haven't seen that I've... oh yeah you got to listen to it it's it's uh, bananas I... good I, I i've heard that i've heard it's good i i, I want to it's just <laughs> Again, we, yeah. <laughs> this is where yeah, – right right now, the last four times me and my wife have tried to have a date, like something child-related has happened, and we're like, ah. Uh. So, <laughs> yeah. so the, the Kakamura, I actually I, – I, I, I looked them up um, because I was really kind of – and I looked – I didn't look them up even in prep for the show. I was just curious. I'm like, where did these guys come from? And apparently um, – I don't know if this is – incredibly offensive but apparently it was like 
they were there was actually like a group of of people who lived on an island and that was what they were called and i think they're extinct now or something but mm-hmm. uh i say extinct i mean that population died right. is that the correct term for when a population yeah i mean maybe <laughs> like a i mean they were and i i could have that wrong because i a lot of times i'll read stuff and get it mixed up with you know three or four different articles yeah they're similar kind of stories but yeah that's but I found that kind of interesting, and and so there, uh, do they have similarities to this? Like, I mean, did they call them that for because they were a warring tribe? Or uh, uh, no, I think mainly they were just short. I, oh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I should look that article up again. Yeah, because I'm probably saying something terrible and getting it all wrong right now. <laughs> and if I am, I apologize. No, it's uh, I'm, it's okay. I mean, <laughs> <love that. laughs> not so, yeah. yeah, the the humor in this movie is just really, really good. It's not just your typical, you know. I mean, it has the big-eyed, adorable animals. Yeah, but it also has like and the slapstick stuff that's in this movie is really, really good. Yeah, so like, I love so, I love the fact that like she 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 remarks that they're cute and they draw on angry faces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, this and is... then puts the chicken in her mouth to zip line down the, <laughs> the rope. <laughs> and this, this is very much a like I think that this was must have been I mean if it should have, I mean, it must have been inspired inspired by the the what, God the movie um, Fury Road. Uh, what, what is that called? Road oh, Warrior. Uh, Mad Max. Mad Max Fury Road because it has like these uh, this attack this band you know this boat attacking them with a bunch of warriors on it. And then we had other people just drumming the battle, like, you know, because when you bring a bunch of soldiers, you want to also bring a bunch of drummers to, <laughs> to you put a soundtrack to your, <laughs> to your conquering. Make it would have a, a rave attack. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, it kind of that kind of actually reminded me of like one of the big like over the top Indiana Jones traps, you know, like where the everything's coming down around them, but they're getting out. Yeah, know? I know. Like <laughs> they happen to be able to dodge falling stones. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've. Right. Where are we? <laughs> we're just enjoying. So we just escaped the Kakamura. Yeah, we're about to uh, go get to the island of uh, the monsters. The again, really beautiful and well shot. I felt the the giant crab, which we're about to see. Yes. And... Who was was that? The guy from Flight of the Concords was that? It must have been. Because that, that I didn't recognize, like it, they must have used like a well-known actor for that one. Him being, and he is from New Zealand, so he is. Or am I thinking of the? I might be thinking of the wrong guy, but. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. It, there's. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, please, please. I, I, yeah, this this is just kind of fun. Just. This part, this part, I think, is kind of goofy, where she's trying to appeal to his ego and talk him into stuff. But <laughs> then so. save the world. What, what were you going with? <laughs> save the world, yeah. <laughs> no, it's Priorities, a, yeah. 
Yeah, again, this is like, uh, I don't know, it, um, this whole death and resurrection kind of part of this uh, story is like kind of really great because he feels that his power lies in his, in his, you know, in, in his hook. And he's, you know, he's obviously super strong. He's really good at uh, at sailing. He's he as in spite of how self centered he is, it's obvious that he has a heart, right? And but his he doesn't think he's anything until he gets his hook back. Like his whole faith in himself is based on that. And I think that again, if you're a Sunday school teacher out there, you can <laughs> you know that's a that's a lesson plan right there. There you go. That you can use for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, no, not the a chicken. At all. The chicken. I love the chicken. Yeah. Again, even even when he's just clucking, Alan Tudyk really nails, knocks it out of the park. <laughs> Blow dart in the butt cheek. It's, you know, it's, and, uh, never gets and, old. Again, a joke that we missed there when he signs the uh, the or. And he signs yes. it with the chicken, and he says it's called tweeting. <laughs> yeah, genuinely, a genuinely funny <laughs> film, a genuinely funny movie. Yeah, and then I love this where in an earlier where uh, we we missed that too, where she's he tells her to do something on the boat, and he's like, "You don't know how to sail." And she's, <laughs> like, I am self taught. <laughs> Again, oh gee, yeah, that's uh, that's actually really, really funny. That you, <laughs> it's getting warmer. Uh, so they finally arrived to this island. Uh, we were we arrived to an island. An, an island. Is it uh, the same? Is oh no no, this is the vision. This is like yes. a nightmare that she's having. Uh, this is yeah. her her motivation, I guess. Yeah, I, maybe I, they, I don't. I don't have any notes for this. Sorry, Joe. No, no, it's okay. Maybe this is the uh, <laughs> meeting of the goddess moment or something. Uh, now, probably, uh, I don't know what this would be. Oh. Now, this is this is the the nightmare where the her island is destroyed. It's kind of like in Terminator. You know, oh yes, when uh, there's the the dream of the nuclear bomb. Sarah Connor literally sees like she's an old woman or something, and watching her kids play on the park, and then she dreams of that nuclear explosion, like tearing up her, you know, tearing like melting people <laughs> into bone. Yeah, I was I was uh, remember seeing that as a child. That <laughs> terrified me. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> He's always trying to get the chicken to eat. <laughs> 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 and so the uh what i love about the the stone formations here they're like these hexagonal stone formations mm -hmm. and those actually are naturally occurring huh. um, and there's there's a entire causeway of them in in ireland called the giant's causeway and all these like wonderful hexagonal giant stone formations uh, so that's that's actually accurate. That's not like any kind of stylized right landscape. That that's unbelievable when you like you when you get those like Facebook like you know lists of like the craziest rock formations in the world. 
like there somehow somehow there's all these different kind of bizarre way that rocks are formed for some reason and uh, you know there's generally an explanation to it but it's just insane how beautiful and artistic looking just naturally occurring rock formations are created yeah well and that's and that's the the thing it's like you know we, we want to talk about just uh you're talking about like this this idea of adaptation uh, earlier on in talking about versus evolution but it's just one of those things where we kind of go well, if you know if we want to attribute, attribute it to God, we can we can say you know, it's, it's this providential design that He gave us that that we do have the ability to to change what we're doing. Right. You know, it's not just not just necessarily naturally occurring. And I, I don't I don't know where anyone I don't know where you stand on evolution versus uh, intelligent design. I, yeah, uh, the book is out for me. <laughs> Yeah, I I, I kind of keep going. I don't know anyone who was alive at the time, <laughs> uh, so um, either way, I, I don't. I, I still think God is sovereign, and neither neither way is going to affect my faith. If I you know, if if at the end of all of it, you know, God's like, no, I did it this way. I mean, like, okay, God, good on you. You know, yeah. like I didn't. <laughs> you know do whatever you want with the universe right well, um, well i i know like literally rocket scientists who believe in the 6000 year old earth theory and right. so this whole idea that like you know atheists put on christians that well they they reject science they don't they don't like you know education like well a rocket scientist has an appreciation for science i think Right. They they should. (laughs) You know, they just happen to, according to their faith. And again, I'm I'm a young, I'm an old Earth theory guy. I think that it's billions of years old because I think that God can work, like you just said, can work in either design. It's not like you know limited to one way or the other. And but again, this idea that if you're if you believe in the young Earth theory, there's something. Like you're just not in, as intelligent as everyone else. There's a ton of scientists who are Christian who absolutely believe in things that most, you know, non-Christians think are obvious. Right. And they're not believing it blindly. They 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 have some evidence, you know, to back them up. I mean, so again, it's it's this whole idea of uh, you know th- these people are better than. And you know, or we're we're better than them. That that whole thing that people try to do with Christianity and holy cow! Again, you're right about this. This is a this gorgeous, is... as crazy, you know, insane as these animals are. This whole world that they created is just unbelievably gorgeous. Oh yeah, and this. I would love to know because they allude to a lot of things. There's so much going on in the scene. There's like, like that guy. Who's that guy? Yeah. What's his backstory? <laughs> I'm sure they probably based him on some ancient myth. And then the bats that have multiple eyes. Yes. Like not just two, like several more than more than two eyes. Um. And then, but. And then all the colors, everything, it kind of has the, the palette of of a coral, like it is. Right. But it's like lit up like it's, 
you know, because there's no water where they are. It's just the, the, the lighting's different. And so they, they did a really good job of, of bringing in like, you know, what, what would it look like if it were not underwater and murky? Yeah. So the, the hair, yeah. sorry, the, the hair, it was a, an issue for the uh, animators. They wanted to make uh, Maui bald. But again, and they wanted it because it would be easier because such long hair is really, really difficult to animate. <laughs> but right. They had to give in because they wanted to be, you know, sensitive to the culture and to the, you know, to the, the demigod that they believed in. Oh, so you're saying that animators originally designed, I thought you were saying that his character, like, as according to like legend was bald. No, no, no. Yeah. His, oh, okay. I got because you. Because they're like hair is, was like, it's almost like a Samson thing. His, he, a lot of his strength came from his hair and. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. I should have read that article that you sent me. No, yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's, <laughs> it just. <laughs> it was, and I, I was, I was getting, I was getting ready to, uh, I was actually cooking dinner when. Yeah, of so course. It's not, I, a, it's not that big of a deal. I love this right here. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good great. Just, just pick great, one. Yeah. <laughs> just pick it. <laughs> it's a really great gag. <laughs> and and I, I appreciate I think that more now uh, that I have a child because sometimes you're just like just just look look no here look. <laughs> 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 so, and I love like the other yeah, detail on the the fur or the little hairs, the little sensor hairs on the outside of his pincher. Yeah, I mean it's really, yeah, really well animated. This is actually one of the reasons I could not be an animator because apparently there's you just spend hours and hours looking over all of these skins. Mm-hmm. Um, you just. Feel like I would just get worn out. Oh yeah, I mean, it t- but it t- I appreciate it so much. Yeah, it took five years to make this. It's so. And you probably actually spend days and days looking over all these skins, don't you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sure you 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 hand draw a bunch of the sketches to have an idea of what the character is going to look like, and then after like months and months of animating that character you're like why can't we just hand draw them i'd rather draw this character <laughs> over and over again on like plates and do it the old-fashioned way than to than to have to sit here in front of a computer and <laughs> clickety clack away yeah now now one one thing i do uh, have to take issue with here is they missed an opportunity um because uh i forgot the crab's name um Hmm. But he he is a he's a a coconut crab, uh, which is all well and good because coconut crabs are huge, so it works to have a huge coconut crab. But there's also another type of crab called a decorator crab. I learned this watching Octonauts, which if you ever have kids, you'll watch a lot of. Nice. Um, is a uh, is there's actually called a decorator crab, and what they do is they walk around the ocean, and they find stuff to like camouflage themselves with, and they just stick it up on their back. Huh. And so um, I was kind of disappointed that he was not right. a decorator crab. Like it would have been, yeah, that, I mean, they, that is a huge opportunity missed because it would have made sense. Yeah, so that's that's that. Um, but I get that from, you know, hanging with the Captain Barnacles and, <laughs> and the other Octonauts, you know, that's. 
good friends of yours. Plug, yeah, <laughs> sponsor the show, right? No, yeah. The, <laughs> no, they, uh, no, it, it's a great little show because there's there's a lot of science in it. Um, the kids learn about nautical creatures. Yeah. So, but this is. Uh, I do love this song though. Yeah. It just gets stuck in your head for days. The, yeah, this is one of those songs that you keep, like, you know, just singing over and over again when you're at work. <laughs> yes, yes. When, when I'm not listening to, to podcasts. So, Oof. this is the, the revelation that Maui's not as cool as he pretends. Well, yeah, and it's a, a lot sadder story than just, you know, this demigod who... who made a dumb decision like he's really yeah he's right got a sad upbringing <laughs> yeah I, I am a little disappointed though also they they did at the very end of this rhyme shiny with shiny and i was oh yeah i didn't even catch that i was like mm, come on guys <laughs> like How about spiny like here's <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, let, let's I could have just... written one more line. Yeah, just to, just to bring it home. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, talk <laughs> about... I love this. <laughs> <laughs> so one more line that I love here is when he like, finds out. Just, yeah. I'm, I'm distracting you. you no, know, no, it's okay. He just like, he just like, ugh. he's really, he doesn't get like angry. He just like, oh, jeez. It's just a it's just a barnacle. With... She, she's covered a barnacle in bioluminescent algae. Like, not even mad. I'm impressed. So, <laughs> so I'm sorry. Yeah. So go ahead with what you were going to start on. You're, well, I'm probably detracting from real conversations here. No, no. I mean that's what this episode. This that's what this podcast is about. That's that's what we do here. I'm surprised. Yeah. So did he not leave the bottom of the ocean? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> did you like the song? I'm guessing you didn't watch past the credits, did you? Uh, no, I didn't. Well, is, there, is there stuff so, after that? The, yeah, after the end of the credits. Oh, man. Well, at least I'm glad that there's more to this that I didn't. It's, <laughs> it's kind of like a Marvel film. I don't know. Are they planning a sequel to this? I don't know. I don't think so. Not that I've heard it. I mean, but it, I mean, it was successful, so... That signs point to yes. Once <laughs> once a movie becomes successful, they they tend to try to you know bring as much cash you know into it as possible. Yeah. Well, one thing I will say is I did like the fact that they did tie it up in a nice like I want to say a nice little bow at the end. But I mean they they tied it off nicely where it wasn't like they were trying to force a um, force it into a sequel if it wasn't right ready for one. You know. So I, I've seen a lot of that in a lot of movies where you'll only have one movie, but they always kind of leave that one little – they make sure to leave you with that one little bit of doubt uh, just, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> and even – I mean chicken. sometimes like they, they, they do that for movies that completely fail. And so like you're – like they say that there's going to be a sequel and then it does really, really poorly and so then no sequel comes. Yes, or or they or they write the entire movie with the idea there's going to be a sequel, but what they just have is a terrible movie. Yeah, and then and then you're like, what did I just watch? Because they didn't even develop the story. Yeah. So, 
And so, yeah, I mean, lesson to writers out there, like, just write a good story, even if you're going to make a sequel. Like, write it without the intention of the sequel. Yeah. So so this scene here reminded me, I was listening to a comedian one time, he was talking about how, like, Tom Cruise movies are like Tom Cruise, like, his early movies were like, he would, something bad happened and he would lose his uh, confidence and then he would, like, meet someone and then, like, she would fix his confidence. Oh, yeah. The, and yeah. then he could, like... Top Gun and Cocktail and, uh, you know, stuff like that. And I'm just like, like this, this is what I think. This is what I thought of when I watched this scene. I'm like, this is this is the Tom Cruise montage. Yeah, that's uh, the meeting of the goddess moment. When yeah, no, no disrespect uh, to uh, to Tom. Yeah, he's, he's been in a lot of good movies. Well, he's a listener, so uh, you know, I, you know, we we have the utmost respect for you, uh, Tom. That's uh, I, <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll. Uh, I'll apologize the next time you invite me over for dinner. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No. Uh, but uh, yeah, so. um, but I wanted to connect this back to uh, to that earlier rant that I went on. That maybe I went on for way too long. But uh, this idea that uh, Bill Maher and among other atheists, they bring up the argument that uh, there's a in a lot of religions the same story of like the the crucifixion and the resurrection and stuff and the story of uh Moses that there's other stories that predate Christianity. So right. it's, you know according to them there's it's obvious proof that Christianity just took those stories and made them, you know, they just slapped the Christian label on it. And well, right. if you watch religious, the examples that he uses in those actually turned out to be false. He just got them right. way wrong. It just, he just, he, I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, be cynical enough to say that he just made them up. He just didn't do the research mm-hmm. because, yeah, well, because they're, they're popular. Right. And, and there's, there's, there's actually, there's a video on YouTube and I think, I think it's called Horace Ruins Christmas. Huh. And it's, um, <laughs> It's actually hilarious. It's kind of poking fun at that whole bit. Mm-hmm. And it starts out with and it's just basically like they're celebrating I think it's like they're celebrating Christmas and then this like animated Horace shows up to like ruin Christmas and and tell everyone how <laughs> like the uh, truth how about it. Yeah, the truth about the the pagan religion that we've adopted and all this. And then like the the priest just like shoots it down with like 2 seconds of of refutation. <laughs> and uh and then when uh, and so then he changes like into another like the 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 animated Horace changes into another deity and <laughs> says oh no I meant I was this guy who was such and such and and then, and then it just it goes to like to the point where like as soon as he's changing the priest is like uh huh yeah but this and this and, like every single one of them it's, it's ridiculous <laughs> I gotta look, that, look up. that up later. It's, yeah, because well, yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great, and I'll probably post it on the uh, on the show notes. Uh, but the whole thing about of, of it is, is that they keep trying to say that these reli- that all these previous religions have the same stories, and that Christianity just took them. Well, the thing of it is, is that although those stories are false, that they really weren't the ones that Bill Maher used. But that doesn't mean that those didn't exist beforehand. That that there really right. were. Some that do are incredibly similar to Christianity that predate Christianity. But the the thing of it is, and that's the interesting thing I will point out, is that these some of these a lot of these are cultures that never had contact with one another. 
yet somehow right. they have incredibly similar stories. And that's kind of like where my brain is going as far as like reading the, or trying to read Joseph Campbell and his theory. And just the fact that he's, he is saying that every story is told over and over and over again, but it's not because they copy each other. It's because it's already inside of us. And that's right. really fascinating that I'm coming to the conclusion that every, God really is like he literally quite put, he quite literally put the knowledge of himself into uh, into every human being and so we do tell the same story yeah. over and over again well yeah and it, it kind of reflects in like paul's uh argument from nature uh, but it's not just i mean do we have to conclude that that is like uh god's glory displayed in his creative power to make a beautiful sunrise or in the mathematical equations of like a, a robe or the Fibonacci sequence in the snail or, or different things like that, is it, could it also be like the nature of man, even though it's corrupted, there's still a hint that of that truth. Right. And so, so. yeah, exactly. That's why, <laughs> I mean, we, we have the story of Jesus and it's pretty similar to the story of Thor. Uh, I'm talking about the Marvel story of Thor and, you know, it, <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> But I mean, and, and not exactly the same, of course. But I mean, as far as, far as like I was saying before, the story, the the beats, the same, like you know, not the actual story itself, but the beats that it hits. And sure. the story of Thor is very similar to the story of Siddhartha, and the story of Siddhartha is similar to the story of Luke Skywalker, and Luke Skywalker is similar to the to Hercules, which is similar to John McClane. <laughs> it, okay. like, yeah, it's it's the idea that. We all live in the world that we live until something happens. We live in the world that we're experiencing. John McClane from Die Hard, he was a cop in New York. His wife moved to L.A. to pursue her career, and he was too stubborn to follow her because he right. wants to live in L.A. And that's the life he's living. And everything, that that's he, the life he knows that he's experiencing. He's going to lose his wife. And then he hears gunshots coming from the party and that moves him that's the call to action that moves him into a world that he doesn't know you know right. uh romeo and juliet even like you know the the he, romeo is a you know montague who hates the capulets or something or is that the right one right it, it, romeo's that sounds correct right I... and then his whole world is flipped upside down and when he sees Juliet, and so now he moves into a world that he doesn't understand or know. And there's there's these similar sequences of everything was the way it was until this burning bush, until this voice from the he from heaven, this white rabbit that you follow down the hole. All of these stories, although different, they follow the same story beats. And we keep continu we continually from the beginning of time from the from the time of grass huts keep telling the same story, and to me, seeing what the Bible says and how similar they are to many stories in the Bible, it to me it points back to God. It, right. it, it's really this interesting kind of idea that these stories help us to move forward to take that step because change is dangerous. Nobody wants to change. Nobody wants to move forward, but it's necessary. And that's what all of these stories are about. That's what this story is about. You know, Moana is told, no, everything is the same.
because it, that's that's how things work. And to change is dangerous. And so the reason why we keep telling these stories is because it helps us to to move forward and to and we survive in moving forward even though we can't just, you know, just as a society run forward with all our strength because then that'll, you know, I mean that's dangerous also. But again, we're now we're right. totally and one thing I find interesting. I'll say one thing I, I like about this is whenever you look at the fuller story beyond what you're just saying is that she moves on from what she's always known into something new. Mm-hmm. Is it's not so much something that's just brand new. It's something that is actually ancient. It's actually something that is the truth and the true identity of her people. It's it's the restoration to what they originally did. Right. And yeah, that's a really good where point. we kind of look at, and that's actually one of one of the points that I, I have with. Uh, I don't know. I want to hold a theological tangent here. Um, you know, with with Jesus, um, the, we look at the Great Commission and we think of that as as Jesus doing something new. He's telling the disciples to go out beyond. Uh, the, the confines of Judaism, mm-hmm. um, because at the, at the beginning, you know, we were all, you know, at the first couple hundred years of Christianity, we were not couple hundred, the first, you know, little bit of Christianity was primarily Jews. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but what we're looking at is not Jesus commissioning the disciples to do something new. It's a course correction. And right. because, you know, the, the, the nation of Israel was supposed to be a, a, a light. They were supposed to be a guide. They were supposed to be the the keepers of of God's laws and commandments to, to be a blessing to all nations, but then they, they decided somewhere along the way that they were the owners of it. Yeah. And so so Jesus is actually course correcting. And so where they, you know, these people, you know, they stopped, they gave up their identity to keep themselves safe and they thought, well, well we've got the secret of life right here on our little island. Mm-hmm. We've got everything we need. <laughs> But then Moana comes along, and she doesn't just go on and break off into something new. She's what she does is she she restores the identity. The yeah, who and, they and, always were that they didn't want to want to accept. Yeah, exactly. And so then we have uh, back here. We have Maui uh, running off, and yeah, this is this is kind of your hopeless. Yeah, the you know, dark, darkest before dawn thing. What they call the belly of the whale scene uh, in the story circle, uh, okay. where you know when uh, the death and resurrection part, the you know the the you know, like you said the darkest moments. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right because I mean Jesus, like you know, a lot of people attribute his crucifixion to the Romans, and although they are not innocent in that. Uh, the 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 people that Jesus was angriest with were the, the were, were the church who lost their way they right. they were the ones who are supposed to know the truth and they created something different that puts them in in charge and puts them in power and so and that that's the whole story of the early church or the the, the old testament are god's people kind of turning their backs on god following their own path and then a prophet coming along trying to set them straight again. Right. And yeah, and so that's what Jesus finally did. He came and he said it, he put his foot down and said this this is, and he fulfilled prophecy, so things did change. Uh 
as and again, right. the, the the criticism that comes from out non Christians is how could jo, jo, uh, how could God change his mind? He didn't. This was always promised. He right. fulfilled prophecy. But and but but a lot of the stuff is basically the same because the stories given or the laws given to Moses were laws that designed to live a good and peaceful life. This is the best way to live a happy life. And right. Yeah, and so, yeah. So, again, Jesus came back and he said, you guys have really messed things up. Here's the right way to live again. And here, you know, it's it's this, yeah. And again, kind of similar to this, to Moana, discovering yeah, I mean, that her people were actually voyagers. And there are these giant boats that were that would allow them to travel far, far away distances. Distances until they freaked out and decided to just stay secluded, which the 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 apostles wanted to do. They they were comfortable just sitting where they were until they were actually attacked by you know chased down by uh, by persecutors, which allowed the church to grow because it spread them out. Right, and and that's actually uh, you can there, there's actually been some charts drawn up in different maps and things where you actually see where the Roman soldiers, you know, because hey, Christians got arrested. Well, who did they talk to? They talked to all their guards. <laughs> see how these guards and soldiers converting, and then Christianity actually spreads where all these different soldiers are deployed. Right. So, I, I love I love this scene. This scene right here, you know, because we were talking, you know, I mentioned at the beginning, just kind of identity. This is where she realizes that her her story isn't didn't begin with her, and that's one of the things that we have with Christians is as Christians is our story doesn't begin with us. Right. Our our story doesn't begin with the day we were born. It begins in the beginning, you know. Um, and and she looks at oh her heritage is not that. And you know Paul talks about grafting uh, us being grafted into the 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 root. Yeah. And that's the only thing we can kind of go, this is our story. This is where we come from. We can, we can say, Hey, you know, our identity is that, Hey, we were, we were slaves in Egypt and God brought us out of that. Or, you know, <laughs> I was a swindling scoundrel who, uh, pretended I, my wife was my sister so that Pharaoh wouldn't kill me. <laughs> but God redeemed that situation. Uh, not me. That was Abraham. Yeah. I, <laughs> I never did pretend my wife was my sister for, a. Uh, foreign king uh <laughs> sorry no, and then here we have this amazing baptism scene i'm sorry uh I, this i love this this is this is the the baptism scene that just highlights the movie it's like to me this is kind of almost the apex of the movie and then she you know is right raised to walk with, with the heart yeah you know Holding the the new life, but again, she she's uh, reborn here. She's she's found a new path. She's you know she's developed a new confidence mm-hmm. when she realizes, oh wait, I had it like I had it. I was on the right, going in the right direction. I just had the wrong idea as to why. Like there's much more going on here than just my what I originally thought. And oh yeah, so. Oh. Like that 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 scene just giving you because it's the it's the embrace of the identity yeah. with the de- this declaration of truth and then this then then demonstrating it with this baptism that that is just 
incredible. And then we go back to back to the mother island. Mm-hmm. And, and again, you know, this is not to say that this is not. I, I don't even gonna begin to comment on gender roles or anything. <laughs> but this is not about like uh, I'm not trying to say God's a woman or God's a man. No, of course not. Or anything this like is... that. You know, I, I, I'm. That's totally different conversation. I'm just talking about like where we can start conversations. Yes. Again, let's not read too far into the actual story itself and say that we're, you know, that that it, the, 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 the analogy breaks down because this is a female goddess or, you know, you know, right. you know yeah, female it's... goddesses as, as opposed to the male goddesses. It's redundant. Yeah. Don't, don't, yeah it's like, <laughs> don't, don't get caught up on the devices of the story. You know, it's sure it, it's, you know, cause the, the devices are going to be different, but it just, I love this. <laughs> well, and so this is, and this is actually, sorry, real quick. Yeah, this please. is one of those things where, uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this later. Go ahead. And what you're well, no, I, I'm it, just saying that um, none of the biblical analogies, if we read too much into them, if we take them way too seriously, would apply to modern day. Yet, Every single one of those, and uh, you know, uh, the, 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 what do you call them? Stories that Jesus tells, absolutely the, applies to every single person on the planet. Right? Yeah, the parables. Yeah, yeah. when we get when we get into to breaking them down, we're, we we extract the principle. You know, we don't we don't just say, oh, well, this means I need to go sow seeds in areas that have three different types of soil, <laughs> <laughs> just to see how the plants grow. Uh, but you know we need to be looking at it as, as you know yeah. we need to be watchful to 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 where the word falls and realize that you know some sometimes some people won't get it and yeah. there's you know we're not responsible for someone's reception of the truth we're just responsible to live it and present it sure and so yeah again with this uh, I don't know just I I keep now I keep uh, going back to what you said about our our identity isn't with who we are right now it's it's this whole we have this whole tradition this whole history behind us that uh, you know as Christians we we were you know there we, like we were a part of this entire history it's not just about us you know and again, Moana thinking that I'm chosen by the ocean. The ocean chose me, and it's my responsibility to do this. Well, no, it the, it is your responsibility to do this. But this is much. This has to do with much more than just you, right? And it is about your entire history of your culture. Your identity is actually bigger than you think it is. It's more than what you thought. And so, yes. yeah. Again, as Christian, we can. <laughs> this is a. Well, yeah. Well, and yeah, it, and it's and it's and it's beyond the tradition and, and things like that. It's it's whenever you get past the tradition that's just kept the church functioning the way it has been for years, mm-hmm. and you get onto the root of the tradition. And you see that there is a way for us to get back to that. We can we can restore that. And I'm not again. I'm not like saying we should all become we should all convert to Judaism, but we look at God's intent for man, mm-hmm. uh, which which was to live life abundantly and and live it well. Right. And and so that's so this is actually we're getting ready to see. So she's going to climb, 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 climb. Ooh, got a nice little oh. baseball fire. 
Yes. <laughs> so, and then we have Maui being sacrificial here, giving up what is his yeah source of his power. Well, again, he said before that like any like if it's got a crack in it, any little hit might destroy it, and so he doesn't yeah, want to help. But, but he, but yeah, but he knew he knew that going into that that he was he was giving up his his power to do that. But yeah. He knew that that would be just enough to get, you know, it, it would it would stop Takah long enough. And so here's here's what I was going to say earlier is. This is the the revelation of who God is, kind of. I mean, again, not that God is uh, a mother island, but this we have so many misperceptions about God, and particularly non Christians, that God is angry, that God's vengeful, that you know. But what we have here is this revelation that no, when we when we when we see God and His heart. And in, in its correct representation right here is mm-hmm. what we're looking at is it's we're not just seeing we're seeing Moana figure out her identity. Then she's also figuring out God's identity. Yeah. And it's it's this revelation to her that, no, this right here, this angry representation, this person you think is evil is, is not it's it's. If you take the heart out of all of the Bible, if you break it down to just this list of rules, mm-hmm. this is what you get. You get a screaming lava monster, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. How the, it goes? That's the yeah. That's the that's the criticism that the Bible gets is God in the Old Testament is angry and vengeful. God in the New Testament is happy and peaceful. No, it's the same God the entire time. He gets angry when you wrong him when you. <laughs> We, we, when, yeah, when when you worship other gods, and 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 one of the things I love about like when you restart looking at Torah, it's not just a it's not just a list of of rules. It's God saying, "I want you to think about me all the time, right? And I want to be so involved in what you're doing that I've invented some rules here that are going to make you think about me in times when other people are going to think it's absurd to be thinking about a Creator God or a mm-hmm. loving God." And God say, I want to be so involved in your life that, you know, I want to, I want you to speak to me when you're talking to your children. Speak of me when you're talking to your children. Speak of me when you're eating, when you're sleeping, when you, when you lay down, when you rise up. Well, you know, all these things. And it's just saying, I want to be involved. And so that's it's yeah. not restrictive. It's life giving. Right. And again, uh, I mentioned in the uh, intro in the coming attractions that I have this other podcast where I talk to a progressive Christian. And so we have a lot of progressive Christian listeners. And the whole idea is that, well, God, God isn't this selfish, self-righteous God. He's, He's not this jealous girlfriend. And I because, you know, they, they, they I point to the verses of I'm a jealous God. Uh, you should worship me above all else, et cetera, et cetera. And they're like, no, 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 that's not really the way God is. He's not again. And they make that comparison of a jealous girlfriend. Well, no, he's not a jealous girlfriend because a jealous girlfriend is selfish and is toxic and is dangerous and destructive. God right. is if we believe that he's a God of love a God of compassion, of grace that will accept us back no matter how far we stray, 
then and is the creator of all life and all all physical you know the entire physical world then if that god is asking me to love him above all else that's different than loving a girlfriend who wants me to love her above everything else it, it right. it's a it's a completely different situation because god is love and again before we this passes in the movie, we have a God of grace and forgiveness, <laughs> you know, who right. has every right to be angry at uh, Maui. And, yeah, this, this is your prodigal son moment right yeah. here. It, 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 you know, he's expecting to, to be smitten, and she gives him, she gives him her, his fish hook back. I mean, the, what else could he want? After, after what he did, he did something awful <laughs> to... He to her, chopped off multiple hands <laughs> throughout this whole movie. To say nothing of the fact that he tore out her heart. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like Star Wars people losing the same limb over and over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anakin Skywalker, a guy who managed to lose five limbs over the course of three three movies. <laughs> <laughs> really? Come on, guy. Really? <laughs> I can't, remember, I can't remember what the exact count is, but it was something like that. I, I think he only kept one, to be honest with you. I think if, if memory serves. No, I think serves. he he lost he lost all four of those of all his limbs, four. and then got a, then got in one of the uh, other ones chopped. He got he got, a, he got one of his replacement limbs oh, chopped off. Oh, jeez! And those are expensive. Let me tell you that insurance doesn't always cover that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think the Empire has probably got a pretty good plan for him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. Second in command. <laughs> the entire, yeah. It's kind of like that idea that Congress has better insurance than the people who they try to give Congress to. <laughs> yeah, the right. people at the top get all, get all the benefits. <laughs> but, yeah. again, coming back to this, this again, a God of grace. They always say, the Bible says, God is a God of grace forgiveness and mercy he was forgiven by uh by the goddess uh he was shown mercy because he wasn't punished for right. when he very well should have been he very well deserved it and he was given grace by being given back a fish hook <laughs> that you know after he took her heart he he did something terrible for her terrible to her and still you know, because he he realized the mistake he made, that's all that she wanted back. That or that's that's all that she required is for him to yeah. understand and to be a changed person. Well, I think there's there's that, but it's also I mean, you could even say at that point, it's you know, you can even see that the heart is also giving your heart to God. That kind of analogy. Yeah, that's you know, I don't know if we can point. kind of stretch it that far, but. Uh, Again, parables, they're not supposed to be 100%, you know, applicable, but if it, yeah, if you can find it there, it, there's a lesson to be found. Again, a little piglet, like, you, you, I keep thinking about that the, when you brought that up. It's still this yeah. tiny little piglet. <laughs> oh, yeah, we missed the chicken lives. Oh, yeah, the, the chicken lives. <laughs> So, and then I love this where she's she's leading everyone, you know, and, the, and then the father the father's on board too. Yeah, uh, which is great. Mm -hmm. 
on the seashell from when she was a child. It's been hanging out with the pig and the rooster. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Unchanged. Uh, I love the progression of the moss on the rocks as it goes up. That's a really beautiful touch. Yeah, you're right. I love those boats. Yeah. (laughs) And now, yeah, now she's a voyager. Now she's, before she didn't know how to... (laughs) <laughs> how to sail it's it's the sea turtle where yeah. <laughs> uh, once you make it to the water yeah you don't come back and uh i wonder if sailing a big boat like that is exactly the same as as sailing that little outrigger well uh, yeah i mean like, i imagine the <laughs> you know, like <laughs> like the principles would be the same or if it would be well, I know the principles are probably the same or did, or did Maui come back and teach them to, yeah. to sail again like the, <laughs> like like this one's going to be a little different to handle <laughs> yeah this one like, uh, yeah the wind blows differently when it's a giant boat like no no it's got to be kind of similar but yeah <laughs> so Yes, they. So there's, the, yeah. there's Moana. That's a beautiful soundtrack. Just cool. yeah, unbelievably. So gorgeous. many good visuals, and and you know that's that's one thing I love that. I mean, what a great time to be alive and watching cinema right now, mm-hmm. because think about if think about how terrible this movie would have looked when you know, I don't know, fifteen, twenty years ago. Yeah. Uh... When yeah, when no, of, course, of course I would have been ten. No, I would no, I would have been. Oh, how old am I? I would have been fourteen. <laughs> so I wouldn't probably wouldn't have been as keen on some of the details. Um, but but just I mean, how far it's this technology's come? Yeah. Um, going back and watching uh, Toy Story, it looks like a like an old school cartoon practically. You know, yeah. when it was the coolest thing at the time. A uh, Jurassic Park, another great example of. At the time, their dinosaurs were real. There, yes. I see a dinosaur right there. How did they do that? And now it's like, oh, it's like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> right. <laughs> I should go back and watch that one again. I, still... I can't wait till I can't wait till my girls are old enough to introduce them to some of this stuff. <laughs> and of course, you know, one thing we have to realize too is is the televisions we're watching nowadays too. Oh yeah. Oh man, Jurassic Park. I don't think it. I think that's probably part of the transition because we were watching these low resolution. You know, you might as well have gone and put grandma's glasses on to watch TV. Yeah. <laughs> compared to what we're watching nowadays. Um, so it's because I, I mean, even even the difference between the TV, I mean, uh, even the difference between the TV here, I'm, I'm getting to watch and they're letting me graciously use up here at work. Um, this is a 4K TV. It's it's not even two months old. Right. <laughs> and versus my uh, first gen plasma uh, 55 inch television that someone gave to me. Right. Uh, <laughs> like the difference is, you know, it's 1080. The one at home is 1080. 1080p. But the clarity on this is just ridiculous. So I can't even imagine trying to watch this on like one of the old tube televisions. Like, yeah, I know. Like those, oh man, with the curved screen, that little bubble screen. Yeah. <laughs> I, that I still remember. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was a different world, and they, they were so heavy. I used, 
I used to deliver appliances right at the at the end of the the tube screen era. Oh no! <laughs> and and I think now, like how light TVs, like like I can pick up a sixty five inch television by myself now. Like, well, yeah, the new ones. I bought a big giant TV a while ago uh, I, for a friend, and I literally could carry it with one hand. It had a little <laughs> handle on it on the box, yeah, and I could just carry it. Like it, it was bothersome because it was so big, but not heavy. Yeah, it was just yeah, cumbersome. That's, that's but, where it all is. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's just absolutely insane to me, and uh, I I feel like an old person because I mean a thirty six inch television used to be where it topped out at. Like yeah. Yeah, anything bigger than that, man, you were like a king. <laughs> yeah, I think it had to be a projector or something. Yeah, at, th- at that point, yeah, it was, it was the, the projection televisions. Now, one thing I will say, I'm not a big fan of this arrangement of uh, You're Welcome. It yeah, just it, kind oh, of no. feels a little off for sure. the spirit of the song. Because uh, considering how fun and how like upbeat and great the 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 version was in the movie it yeah, was, it I, was unbelievable like yeah i like it makes you want to dance when you're watching it it's yeah it like yeah especially like i said when that baseline comes with <laughs> yeah you're just i don't know i mean we're going to get on for copyright infringement right <laughs> but <laughs> but but no it it really does like i just i heard this and i'm like well this is interesting <laughs> but i don't know that i like it yeah uh like when there's a band that you really like and then they release like a, a you know a, a bonus cd of like demos and b-sides and all this stuff and you're like yeah oh, an alternate version to my favorite song and you're like oh yeah that's why they put the version that's, i like on the album right. <laughs> that's why they didn't use this other <laughs> this other version that is not great yeah there's there's actually yeah there's it's amazing it, it, there's some like deep like searching, I can't remember. I can't think of an example now, but I, I know I, in the past I've come across some early, early versions of people's songs, and you're like going, the lyrics are different, the section, like there's different part here. Yeah. But it, and it's like there's actually been one time where I caught where they pulled like you know just put two songs together for the final album version, and those are always fun to catch different things like that. Yeah. But, I wish I had an example for you, but I'm I'm drawing a blank at the moment. <laughs> no, that's not a problem. So, yeah, the, and, and, so anything else? Anything you wanted to mention about uh, any final thoughts on the movie? The the you know, the themes or whatever. Any? I think the biggest theme, like I said, is it just keeps coming back to me for identity. Yeah. And and trust, knowing one one be one you know discovering who your identity in Christ is and what that means. And then two, being given the freedom to embrace that identity. Yes. And, and you really kind of have that where you have to have those, even if it's just one or two people like here in the movie, it was the grandma and the mom who were the only ones who were willing to give her that freedom to embrace that identity. Sure. And, and you have to figure that out. And, and you have to, to run with it. And then you have to trace back your identity like as you see it from, oh, well, I've broken away from my tradition. But what does that mean for me and God? And then where she comes back to, oh, well, our identity was so much bigger than this. And, and with traditions, you kind of have to go, 
every generation has to re-examine that and figure out if it's important and if it really feeds into them. Right. So. Um, we were talking before we started recording about how our favorite, uh, you know, this awesome discovery that both of our favorite uh, books in the Bible is Ecclesiastes. And yeah. uh, if Solomon, or the teacher, as you know, uh, as he describes himself, says that no matter what you do, it's all going to turn to dust. I'm the richest person on the planet. I've read every book. I've eaten every delicious food. I've created monuments to myself. And it's all for nothing because I'm just like the dumbest person in my village. You know, all the reading that I do doesn't matter because in the end, I'm just going to die. Every person right. that knows me is going to die. Every monument I build is going to turn to dust. No matter how, what kind of an empire I build, it's all going to turn to dust. So it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. But that's only if you see your identity as who you are right now. Just you. If, you're, if you see your identity as just the individual that you are, then yes. Absolutely. That Then nothing matters. But right. if you identify yourself with with Christ and this long tradition you know that you come from that you're a part of and this much bigger identity that God sees you as much more than just that little individual and the you know in God's view the tiny little monuments that you build this little sand castle, basically. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, it, this little ant farm mound that you created, as nice as you might think it is. God sees you as much more than that. Far beyond what you your identity right now is. And so that's, I think that's the, kind of the bigger picture that's that the teacher was trying to to express. That you have, you're, you're attaching yourself to things that don't matter. And right. if you do that, then yes, life doesn't matter. I think I, I I go into these existentialist rants about how if you pull away, and I, I think that part of this is like a thing that Dan Harmon, the creator of Community, and Rick and Morty kind of brought mm -hmm. up, is that if you pull away and you see the globe as a world, yeah, the earth is cooling, the sun is going to burn out, it's all going to be destroyed, and so then nothing matters. But if you come in and you focus on a family, on an individual, on an atom in that person, then you realize that if nothing matters, then everything matters. You know, right. the moment that you're living right now is the most important moment. The place you're standing is the center of the universe. You know, everything then, you know, if you, if you, the illusion that I love my wife, I love my husband, I love my girlfriend, I love my dog, that matters now. It's not as uh, as in what, what do you call it in um, uh, it, it's not as meaningless now, it's, right? Because it's your because you, you're weighing that against who you think you are as a tiny itty, itty bitty little individual. Because right. that's how you see yourself, and that's why we have these existential breakdowns. Because yes, then nothing does matter. Life is meaningless if you look at it that way. But right. if you attach yourself with that identity with God in Christ, then all of a sudden, those little moments matter so much more. So <laughs> that's my existentialist rant that I often go on. <laughs> no, that that's great. And you're talking about like the the whole zooming out into where where nothing matters. I, I saw a quote. Uh, gosh, I wish I could remember who to attribute it to. 
Uh, I'm, I'm really bad with names, yeah. but it was it was the the you know it's like the the first the first sip of uh, science will make someone an atheist, uh, but when you drain the cup down at the bottom, you'll find God waiting for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. Uh, yeah, it starts but, off it starts off sounding like Christopher Hitchens, and then it ends with like you know. With uh, Timothy Keller or something, <laughs> but, but it's that same kind of thing where if, if you if you look at you know all all we do is meaningless. And I, I'm probably just kind of rephrasing a lot of what you're saying, but just it is that's that that aspect that what we're doing here when when you give it up to Christ and it's like it is a, a great way for God to display His glory to go. I've been weaving things together since the dawn of the the universe for a little bit of my glory to, to shine through the life of this person and move other people around them. Yeah. And that, that to me is amazing. Yes, absolutely. Okay, cool. So I guess that brings us to the end. Uh, movie long since ended. <laughs> so, Sorry. But no, uh, th- this happens every episode, every episode so far, we just talked for way longer than the movie. <laughs> so, well, I wanted you to see the, the, the crab. Oh yeah. I'm going to have to, our crab was still there. Oh. Um, I had to rewind and check that out again because I was again talking about how life is meaningless and nothing matters. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, but anyway, like thank so. you so much for uh, being on the show. Uh, uh, pleasure to be here. To I, I've been enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, this is actually really great. Uh, I I wasn't sure if this was going to work. This whole podcast uh, thing, I until I started doing them, uh, and they started turning out really well. And I hope the audience agrees with. Uh, the movie, the we did Passion of the Christ, and we did Old Fashioned, and now we're doing this one. And I don't know, this just brings me a lot more confidence that this is actually working. So, I did enjoy the Passion of the Christ when I thought I thought that was covered and handled really well. Uh, yeah, who was your friend's name? Who's on there? Uh, Adam Thrope. Adam, he 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 was really good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you're not complimenting Gina because it's not out yet when we're recording this, but I, I think you're really gonna like that one. Um, so. We're recording this episode, so uh, yeah, that one's coming soon to you, but it's already been out to the audience, so uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that one as much, because I I really, you know, I'm really excited about putting that one out. Again, this this is kind of a time loop thing, because when you guys are hearing it, it's already out. I haven't put it out yet when we're recording this. It's like Star Trek. (laughs) So... Caught in in the temporal (laughs) feedback loop. Right. But anyways, again, thank you so much. This was really fun. I think you had some great insight into this movie. And again, reminding people that, yes, this is about a different culture, a different religion. But it doesn't mean that we can't apply it to ours as a parable or, you know, you don't read too much into it as the the fact that it's a different religion and belief. Right. So anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for being here, commies. I think you guys are going to like that name, right? (laughs) Oh, sure. Yeah, so uh, anyway, thank you guys for listening. I hope to see you next time. And baby, you're going to miss that plane. You've been listening to the Commentarians Podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to support our show, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thecommentarians. Thank you for listening, and until next time, remember, movies are a reflection of our lives and of other people's lives, and we get to experience them together. 
Come back to the movies with us. We love sharing them with you.